Hello and welcome. My name is Jackie Lindahl and this is the Fit Like a Girl podcast. I am a mom, wife, an avid coffee drinker and weightlifter, as well as a personal trainer. And I own my own company called Fit Like a Girl Personal Training. In this podcast, I will help you reach your weight loss and fitness goals with no BS advice, cutting through all the myths and the crap that is out there so that you feel empowered and confident in reaching your goals. Along with fitness and health, I will also talk about many other subjects like mom stuff, life stuff, business, money, and so much more. So grab a coffee or put on your headphones and go for a walk and let's chat. Hello and welcome back to the Fit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Jackie Lindahl. Thank you so much for listening. In today's podcast, I wanted to share uh, my story, my journey of injuries, specifically knee injuries, and how to train around them, how to pursue through the highs and lows and continue on your journey despite going through some major injuries and surgeries and issues. So this is my story. I mean, uh, it's obviously not going to be the same as anybody else's, but this is just my experience and my story. And I hope that you either enjoy it or find something to resonate with along in, along in the story. So let's go back in this story. We're going to go back to a long time ago. So I started jujitsu when I was 11 years old and it's been a major part of my life ever since. And the reason why I bring up jujitsu is because if you can imagine, um, it played a major role in why and how I injured myself several times. Fast forward a little while, I started working out and taking my own fitness and fitness journey and health seriously in 2015. I had decided that I had enough of the yo-yo on and off working out and all these things that I was going to get serious. And this was the year that I discovered weightlifting and weight training. I got really into fitness and my own training. I talked all about this in a previous podcast episode about my own journey. I want to say it's episode number four, but don't quote me on that. Possibly episode number four. Yeah. So if you want to go and hear about my fitness journey and where I started to where I am now, definitely go and listen to that episode after you listen to this one, of course. In 2015, as my fitness got better and I got more into weightlifting, I was training jujitsu more than ever, jujitsu, kickboxing, and things like that. Um, I started setting goals for myself and that year I had decided that I wanted to start competing in jujitsu again. At that time in 2015, it had been a few years since I compete or a couple of years. I want to say like two years since I competed. So I was ready to get back at it. So I started to train more and more. I was doing jujitsu. I was doing, um, you know, training, weightlifting multiple times a week, probably doing weightlifting at that point. I want to say at least four to six days a week and then doing jujitsu. At that time we were still, we were teaching jujitsu and training. So probably teaching jujitsu, I think at that time, at least four days a week and then training at least three to four days a week. We were doing a lot. I was doing a lot at that time, but anyways, so throughout that year, I really got back into jujitsu and as well as weight training and just really loving it. And in November, 2015, I was training one Saturday. It was just kind of like a free rolling day. So just doing some rolls, some grappling, just enjoying myself. And I was rolling 
So when I refer to rolling in jujitsu, side note, free rolling, grappling, fighting, I guess you could say with other people, um, you're not really supposed to like be out there to like er, kill your partner or anything. It's mostly just a way to work on your technique and things like that. But anyway, um, I was rolling with this one guy who was, had been in jujitsu for a few, like a couple of years at this point, like maybe one to two years. Um, and whereas I, at that time had been doing jujitsu for well over 10 years. Um, and it was a pretty intense role. I kind of got the notion from this guy that he was not the type that liked to not roll. that didn't really want to lose to a girl, I guess, for lack of better phrase, but it's okay. Anyway, he kept trying to do these more like advanced moves, like Eddie Bravo, 10th planet jujitsu type moves that he probably found on YouTube, but didn't really know what he was doing with these more advanced moves. And, um, just it's another sidebar, Eddie Bravo. He's a famous, uh, jujitsu instructor who has his own style of jujitsu called 10th planet. Um, and anyway, so at that time we were really into 10th planet jujitsu and, um, Eddie Bravo and all his stuff. So this guy had kind of like researched a bunch of his moves and things like that and was like trying to use them in grappling, but didn't really have the skill yet for these moves. Um, yes, he could do them, but there's a difference between being able to do them and being able to do them properly without injuring people and knowing how, you know, not to injure people. So Anyway, one position he was attempting to get me into was called the electric chair. Essentially, it's hard to describe. You can Google it. Um, Google jujitsu electric chair. Okay. I don't really want anything weird showing up on your Google search, but it's basically, essentially, they have their legs wrapped around two of their legs wrapped around one of yours. And the other leg is almost doing like front splits over their shoulder while they're on their back. So that's pretty much where we were. I had gotten my one leg off his shoulder and I think I had it like on his stomach or on his chest, somewhere in there. And I was trying to get the other, his legs off from mine. And they essentially like wrap around in what's called a lockdown position where they just kind of like wrap your leg up like a Python. And he had a really tight grip on my leg. And I was doing my best to try to escape. Wasn't really making a ton of progress, but, um, he went to go and switch positions, but he didn't loosen his grip on my leg and it twisted. So basically my lower half of my leg twisted in a wrong direction. And I literally heard pop, 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 like snap, crackle, pop in my left leg that he was holding on to. And I thought that I broke my leg. Like I yelled at him to stop. I was like, stop, 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 stop. Let me go. Like, let me, I, I swore to him. I was like, let me the fuck go. And he like, let me go. I was like, Oh, what happened? Um, and I was just like, shit, like my knee, like all of a sudden the shooting, like pain came into my knee. And I was like, what the hell happened here? And it wasn't, it wasn't totally his fault. I mean, it was one of those things. It was kind of a freak accident, but kind of also, again, he was doing moves that he probably shouldn't have been doing for his skill level at that time. And he kind of got in a little bit of trouble for it. But I mean, at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, that doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant to the story. So I went to go and stand up because I was like, 
no, no, no. Because he was like, kind of like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? So I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm cool, man. I'm cool. And I went to go and like stand up and put weight on my knee and immediately it buckled and I fell over. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened here? My knee is in pain. It hurts. Something's wrong. And why am I falling over? Like, why can't I get up? So I didn't really know what to do. I didn't have like a tensor or anything like that with me. And I imagine if I would have went and looked in the first aid kits at the gym, I probably could have found one, but I was just like, whatever. I had boxing hand wraps. So I just like took a boxing hand wrap and I wrapped my knee uh, to give it some support. And I was like, okay, I think I better go home because <laughs> my knee hurts and something's wrong. And I'll never forget this day because not only was it the day that I hurt my, hurt my knee and would forever change the trajectory of my joints probably for the rest of my life. But it was also the night we were going to go watch UFC fights with the crew from the gym that night. And that night was the fight of Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey, where Holly Holm beat the un at the time, the formerly undefeated Ronda Rousey. So I remember going and watching the fights that night loaded up on Advil because my knee was sore and starting to swell a lot. And just like watching Holly Holm uh, roundhouse kick Ronda Rousey to the face and knock her out. I was just kind of like, huh, I can resonate with how Ronda Rousey feels right now, except for not totally because it was a completely different situation, but you understand what I mean. So that week, back to my knee now, that week I went to the doctor because the pain had subsided after a day or two. I was taking Advil and stuff like that, but the swelling in my knee was like, my knee was huge. Um, and definitely just something in me kept saying like, something's wrong. My knee kept giving out, um, unexpectedly if I would turn the wrong way or something like that, my knee would just like give out. And I would kind of like buckle and be like, Oh, fuck them. You know? And when it would give out, it would kind of hurt, but then, you know, maybe five minutes afterwards, it'd be fine again. And I'd be like moving around. So I was limping a little bit, um, because I couldn't fully extend my knee because it was so swollen. So I went to the doctor he tried to do some knee tests. So when a doctor takes a look at your knee, they test for a few different things. They test to see your ligaments are intact. So they do what's called a drawer test, where basically they'll kind of put their hands behind your calf and try to like pull your lower leg forward. And if your lower leg moves that, you know, away from the joint forward, that kind of indicates that one of your ligaments inside of your knee that holds it in place is potentially torn. So he was trying to do that and he couldn't get what's called a drawer. He's like, I can't get a drawer on you, but I want you to rest it. He prescribed me some anti-inflammatories and sent me for an ultrasound just in case. And he told me, you know, after a couple of weeks, you should probably start some physiotherapy. Now we're getting to the point where it's kind of end of November, early December. So, um, Christmas is coming around the corner. So so I went for my ultrasound ultrasound came back as inconclusive, which we had expected. Like it was hard to tell because there was so much swelling in my knee. That was really all that they could see. So he sent me for an MRI. Um, at the time I was able to get a private MRI. So here in Canada, you can generally go, like if you get a referral for an MRI, it's a public, like through the public healthcare system, but some clinics offer private MRIs where you do have to pay. So at the time, my work that I was working at as a vet tech, I had benefits where it was like a health spending account. So I was able to pay for the MRI, but then I got reimbursed for it. So if you do private MRIs, you can get in a lot faster versus 
going through the public health care system. And it was nearing to the point where it was almost Christmas. And I knew that it would be a long wait for an MRI. Like generally, if it's a non-urgent situation, you're going to wait a couple of months. And I thought, you know, if it is a major issue with my knee, I want to kind of get this process started. So I decided to pay for an MRI. Uh, so just before Christmas, I was at work one day and my doctor called me at work and he's like, hey, can you come in today for your... He's like, I got your MRI results, but like, I want you to come in today if you can. So I was at work and I asked my boss, I was like, Hey, can I take like an extra long lunch break and go to my doctor's office? And she said, sure. So I ripped over there and he comes in the door and he says to me, are you in pain? And I was like, no, not really. Like if my knee gives out, it's a little bit painful, but like right now I'm not really in pain. And he goes, okay, that's good to know here, take a look at this. And he hands me a piece of paper, which is my report. And I look down and it says complete tear of the ACL. And I was just like, and I looked at him and I said, what the hell? Uh, Cause he wasn't really thinking that at all. Like he wasn't able to get that drawer test. And he's like, I don't really know if it's your ACL, but it might be your meniscus. Uh, but let's get it checked. And I was just like, what the hell? And he goes, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, so now what, what's my options? So he recommended surgery. He said, just given how young you are and how, you know, active you are, he said, a surgery would probably be a good option for you. You would be a good candidate. I'll send off a referral for surgery just to go and meet with the surgeon even. So I was like, okay, sounds good. Uh, he said, in the meantime, start physiotherapy. It's going to be a few months before you see the surgeon. So just start physiotherapy and we'll go from there. So he sent off the referral. Um, I was just blown away and partially devastated uh, over this diagnosis. My older brother tore his ACL when he was playing football in high school. And just seeing him go through the surgery and the rehab and everything like that was, you know, I just kept having flashbacks to him. And I was just like, oh man, I have to go through that same surgery. And then I'm thinking, what the hell is with the knees in my family? Like, why is, why is it that my brother and I both have torn ACLs? Um, so yeah, that kind of sucked. But I, I started physiotherapy um, with a just kind of general physical therapist who was good. Uh, she helped me out with a few things, but I just felt like it wasn't really quite pushing me with what I wanted. And she had told me, oh, you know, you don't want to injure yourself any further. So you shouldn't be lifting heavy weights, which I was kind of like, oh man, that sucks. Because up until I tore my ACL, I was lifting heavy weights and loving squats, loving deadlifts. And she was like, you know, you should do really light weights just to be safe. So I continued to do my physical therapy as per what that person had said. And I finally got my phone call from the surgeon, um, took a few months to see a surgeon. So I probably didn't go in and see the surgeon until April, just for a consultation. So in April, 2016, I went and I saw the surgeon. Um, she was great doctor, very blunt and to the point woman, uh, which I appreciated. Um, but she's definitely not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so she said, she said, given how young you are, given these sports and everything that you go through, I recommend doing surgery. You'd be a good candidate for it. You're active and you know, you'll have a good chance of recovering and surgery would be what I would rec recommend. And she also recommended the physiotherapists in Edmonton at the Glenn Sather clinic, which is a sports medicine clinic. And she said, I recommend going there if you want the best chances for success with your prehab and your post-surgical rehabilitation for physio. I was like, cool. 
So I started going to physiotherapy at the Glenn Sather Clinic in Edmonton. Um, my physiotherapist was this great man named Ian, who really over the next couple of years became my advisor, my ass kicker, a reality check, voice of reason, my personal trainer, everything over the next couple of years. And yes, I mean years. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was fantastic. He really helped me stay sane, gave me lots of reality checks, lots of pushes along the way. And yeah, I really can't thank him enough to this day. He's a great man. Um, so because in Canada, non-urgent, non-emergency surgeries, such as an ACL tear, especially in a young person who's not in a lot of pain, they're not really a priority. So it was going to be on average about a four to six month wait for me to get surgery so I was sitting on the list for a while. So with this time in between when I get injured to the surgeon, to the surgery itself, we did a lot of prehabilitation work. So during my pre-surgical rehab, it included a big focus on hypertrophy. So growing muscle, uh, in my legs to build up the muscles in my leg as much as possible to help strengthen those muscles so that they would stabilize my knee now that that ACL is gone as well as help recovery. So I guess I never really talked a lot about the ACL itself. So the ACL, if you don't know, you can Google it, but it takes, it sits inside of your knee. There's two sitting one in front of the other, that crisscross across your knee. The behind one is called the PCL. And then the one nearest is called the ACL. Now, generally speaking from my knowledge and what I learned in this experience is that the ACL is a more common tear, uh, whereas the PCL is a little bit more of a serious tear because it really takes a big injury to tear your PCL. So that's just kind of the gist of what I understood from it. So my ACL being torn, what those two ligaments do is they help prevent motion from your knee going back and forth, like forward and backwards, um, and a little bit of side to side as well. So when you tear your ACL, it's painful, it hurts, but once it's torn, I found in my experience, once the ACL was torn and I got a good amount of the swelling out of my knee, I didn't really notice any pain day to day. Now, occasionally it would still give out if I moved the wrong way too quickly or like slipped on something like slipped on the ice a couple of times, you could feel my knee like move back and forth. And it was a gross feeling, but yeah, it would just like, almost like if you put your two fists together, um, or one on top of each other, like your knuckles. And it would just like move back and forth just a little bit when my knee would give out. And it was just like, Ugh. but I wasn't in pain, which is a good thing. And I'm grateful that I wasn't in pain. So during this time, I was able to return to the gym and lifting weights and stuff as much as possible. And it was, this was the other saving grace of having a sports medicine uh, physical therapist, because I was an active person who wanted to lift weights and all these things, he actually encouraged me to lift weights, to lift weights, to help build strength in my legs. He said to me, and this is a direct quote of what he told me, he said, you can squat and deadlift a house. As long as you have proper form, it will not hurt your ACL. So I was like, well, that is good to know. And the other thing is he's like, your ACL is torn. You can't hurt it anymore. Yes, you can still injure your knee more, but as far as your ACL is concerned, it's already torn. You can't injure it anymore after it's torn. So I was like, well, 
Touche. <laughs> so during these months leading up to what was supposed to be my surgery, I trained really hard. I did everything in physical therapy that he told me to do to a T lifting. He worked with me on training programs and things like that. It was just a great experience. And of course, uh, because I'm stubborn, I continued to train jujitsu because why not? So also up until during this time, I made sure to contact my surgeon's office because I really wanted to get this surgery done and over with. I had still in my mind that I was going to start jujitsu tournaments again, and I wanted to get back at it as soon as possible. So I harassed for like a better phrase, very nicely and kindly, I will say the surgeon's office where I would call at least once a month and just say, Hey, just wondering where I'm at on the list. Can you put me on a cancellation list for this month and stuff? And they were all like, yes, Jackie, you're on the list. So in early June, I got a call for a cancellation. So a little bit of a hint, if you're in the Canadian system and you're getting frustrated with the wait times, because sometimes it can be frustrating. However, though, I would rather have wait times than have to pay out of pocket for healthcare. Um, call and ask to be put on a wait list and then continue calling to get yourself a little bit bumped up on the list. Anyway, so I got a call in June for a cancellation for later that month. So I was stoked. I was so excited. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this surgery. This is going to be great. I talked to my work. Yep. Go ahead. Take the time off. Um, yeah. So leading up to the surgery, I thought to myself is about two weeks before the surgery. I thought, you know, I'll go to one last jujitsu class two weeks before my surgery, one last jujitsu class, and then I'll be done for a good while. That last jujitsu class, I went to the gym and it was really hot that day. And when it got hot in the gym, the mats would get a little sticky. And we were practicing takedowns that way, that day, single leg takedowns where they were holding onto one leg and kind of maneuvering you so that you fall down. So one leg up and one leg on the floor. And we were practicing these takedowns and I was practicing with another girl and she went to go throw me and I, my foot got, my foot that was on the ground still got stuck, like just stuck on the sticky mat as she was kind of twisting me into this takedown. And because I couldn't move my foot in enough time. I couldn't move my foot quickly enough so that I could fall properly. I felt a pop in my right leg. And I quickly got up and I hobbled over to the sidelines and I was just like, oh no, 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 no. So I got myself up. I tried to walk and immediately my knee gave out. And I was holding on to, thankfully, there's a cage surrounding the mats. I was holding on to the cage as I tried to walk and it gave out. And I kind of caught myself and I just thought, fuck, what did I just do? So I literally, I, tears started coming immediately. I was not because of pain, but just because I knew what happened. Um, and I just quickly left. I don't even think I changed. I just literally, like, I got in the car. I called my husband, like, bawling my eyes out, being like, I think I tore my other ACL. And it's, like, two weeks before my surgery day. And the doctor's not going to let me do surgery anymore. And I was just so upset. I was so unbelievably upset. So the next day, I called my physiotherapist. And uh, thank this man was so great. He squeezed me in right away. He's like, yeah, come on down. So I went in, drove hightailed it in for an immediate appointment. And he looked at my knee, tested it. And he looked at me and he was just like, with this, like, what the fuck expression on his face. I mean, and rightfully so. I'm pretty sure that I was told several times throughout this process to stop training jujitsu and I didn't listen to anybody. So 
he was kind of right. <laughs> so he suggested, he said, you know what, we got to get you to see your surgeon before your surgery because she needs to know about this. And he said, I'm pretty sure that you tore your ACL. So we go, um, so he contacted the surgeon because they kind of worked in the same building. She worked out of the Glenn Sather clinic. And, um, so I got in to see her, I think, honestly, like the next day. And, um, he actually, my physiotherapist came to the appointment with me, which was really kind of him. God, he was such a nice man. Uh, and my surgeon is a, like I said before, she is a no nonsense woman and she was not too impressed with me. If you can imagine. <laughs> uh, she told me straight up in her words, uh, you really need to reconsider your future in this sport after your surgery, because obviously your genetics do not support this sport, like genetics for my knees she was referring to. And I mean, a lot of people, when I told, I told a couple of my family and friends that they were like, what the fuck, how does she dare say that? But at the same time, because she wasn't wrong, she wasn't wrong. But it doesn't mean that I had to listen to what she said. Anyways, so with two torn ACL, she's like, I can't do surgery on one leg when you have a freshly torn ACL on the other leg. She's like, you can't walk properly. How are you going to be able to crutch on? Because I won't be able to use that leg. So she's like, you can't do surgery in two weeks. It's just not going to happen. So I was like, okay, devastated. She said, I'll give you an option. You can either do one leg, recover, come back in six months and we'll do the other leg. Or she said, I don't like doing this. She said, I've only really done it one or two times before this, but I'll do it for you. Because she said, because I know that you'll do this, the rehab and everything like that. She said, um, we could do both at the, at the same time. And I opted to do that because in my mind, I was like, just get this over with, just get it done. And she warned me, she's like, it's going to suck. It's going to suck. You're not going to be able to walk. You're going to be in a lot of pain. But she said, I think that you can do it. And I was like, okay, it's rock and roll. So the plan was to take the summer to rehab my now freshly torn ACL on my right leg, continue rehabbing my left leg and have surgery in the fall. And so that's exactly what we did that summer. I kept working and training. Obviously my training had to change a lot because now I had two torn ACLs, um, that either one of them could give out at any minute. And that summer I did work really hard on my prehab. I slowed down jujitsu to almost non-existent for the summer. Um, I think I went and like rolled with a couple of people maybe once or twice that summer, but I really took the summer off. Um, and just focused on strength training and getting myself ready for surgery. Now I should also mention with all of this going on, I still kept up with my workouts for my upper body and my core. So when my, my legs were injured and I couldn't really do a lot other than physio for my legs, I still made sure that I did something. So I would hobble my ass into the gym. I would do my physio or whatever I had to do for my lower legs. Um, and I would make sure that I would still train upper body. So I could do bench press. I could do a seated shoulder press. I could do, you know, core work. I could do rows, all of these things while still having injured knees. And it was something that I made a priority because it helped keep me very sane throughout all of this because it was really hard time for me. I was struggling a lot with, you know, grappling with this 
injury that I'm now faced with and, you know, likely going to have issues with my knees now for the rest of my life. And it was just a good way for me to look after myself and just keep myself sane because it was a hard time. So in late August of 2016, I got a call for surgery and they were like, you have one week. (laughs) Surgery is September 1st. And I was like, okay. So I talked to my boss and I was like, pretty, 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 please. Can I take the next eight weeks off for my surgery? And thankfully I had a great boss who understood everything that I was going through at the time. And she was like, sure. So September 1st, 2016, I went in for a bilateral ACL reconstruction. And if you don't know much about the surgery, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Basically, what they do is they need to replace your ACL with something, some kind of a graft um, is what they call it. So there's a few different options that people generally have. You can do a hamstring graft where they take a piece out of your lower hamstring muscle where it kind of goes into your tendon and attaches to your leg. Um, They'll take a chunk out of that and put it in your knee, or they will take, uh, some people will do a quad graft where a similar thing where they take a piece of your quad muscle that goes into your knee. Some people will do a patellar graft where they take a piece out of your patellar tendon. And some people, if there is availability, they get a cadaver graft where somebody who has passed away, who has good ACLs, they take a cadaver out of there. Each of them has their own pros and cons because my surgery was on a short notice cancellation. I did not have the option for a cadaver graft. And especially considering I was getting both ACLs done, I definitely didn't have the option for that. So we opted to have hamstring done um, just because it was kind of the more generally safer option, had more pros to it than cons. So So yeah, so that is uh, what they do is they go and they take a piece out of your hamstring muscle right down by your tendon. And um, then they take that arthroscopically and put it in your knee. Now, some people, I know when my brother had his surgery done, they cut his knee right open. Now, I don't remember exactly why they did that, but they did. They cut his knee right open. Whereas for me, I only had like a little two inch scar down on my, not even like one and a half inch long scar down on my lower knee and then two little like poke holes on either side of my kneecap and then one on um, the side of my leg where they went in and took the hamstring graft from. So it's kind of interesting, just some holes in my leg. So anyway, so that's what they do. Um, And so surgery, it was the first time I ever was put under anesthetic before, which after I had that experience, I definitely had a lot more empathy working as a veterinary technician, putting animals under anesthetic because I was like, wow, that's not fun. Um, so yeah, that day, uh, it was just a day surgery. I went home later on that day, uh, in a lot of pain on a lot of painkillers. And I remember the drive home so brutal so brutal. Um, it was hard to get into the vehicle because number one, I didn't have a good leg to stand on literally. Uh, so both of my legs were wrapped in bandages. Now, some people, when they have an ACL surgery, depending on the surgeon, they might get sent home in a like hip to ankle bracelet, but I didn't really get that option because I had both legs done. So it was bandages, but still you can't really bend your legs when you have ACL surgery, like your knee, like your legs just don't bend. So going to the toilet was interesting. (laughs) So yeah, I went home and I basically slept on my couch for a week, which was like the most brutal sleep. I wore out our couch so badly because literally all I could do was just sit on the couch. Um, it was a brutal time. I, oh man, the humbling that happened to me after that, because I literally couldn't do anything by myself. 
for the first three weeks. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself for the first like 10 days. Like I literally had to get somebody to help me. Well, I would say I could go to the bathroom by myself, but it took a while. So for the first few days, yeah, my husband had to help me go pee. I literally couldn't pull my pants down for the first like five days. My husband had to help me to the bathroom. I had to crutch to the bathroom, stand by the toilet. And luckily, like we had a really small bathroom where we lived at our last house where it was like the toilet was right behind the sink. And then there was the tub on the left-hand side. So I like would hold on to the sink and like lower myself down as slowly as I could because I couldn't bend my legs uh, down onto the toilet, but I couldn't pull my pants down. So he had to come in and pull my pants down and then pull them back up. So that's not humbling. And if that's not love, I don't know what is. But I literally couldn't do anything by myself. My sister, who is a nurse, she's an RN and I love her and appreciate her so much, had to come and help me shower for the first time after my surgery, which was also a wonderful experience. (laughs) But recovery was unbelievably difficult. It was the hardest thing I think I ever had to do. In comparison to childbirth, I don't really know what was harder. I want to say my knee surgery was harder because uh, childbirth was a matter of a couple of days, whereas uh, knee surgery was weeks, months. And yeah, so it was difficult and slow. It felt really slow because what's also interesting after you have an ACL surgery is your muscles completely atrophy away. So I had no muscle tone, like all the quads and hamstrings that I worked so hard on building before my surgery were gone, like gone. So, uh, I started physiotherapy. I think it was like a week after surgery five days or a week after surgery, I started physio. So the first priority after you have an ACL surgery is to get your range of motion back, to be able to bend and straighten your leg and also get your quad muscles to be able to fire again. And basically like if you can grab onto your leg and flex your quad muscle, that was essentially what I had to work on. And in all honesty, that was one of the hardest things to do because your nerves and your muscles atrophy so much that you're trying so hard to flex your quad muscles that, and they just don't fire because those nerves aren't there right now. I might as well have been trying to levitate my TV from across the room because that was about as hard as it was to get my quad muscles to fire again. So it took a few weeks. Then after that, uh, it was getting off crutches, which for me took I want to say like five weeks, took about five weeks for me to get off crutches, uh, about four and a half to five weeks. And I remember being so mad that I couldn't get rid of crutches at three weeks. Um, like most people have been able to, I told my, uh, my physiotherapist, I was like, I really want to get rid of these effing crutches. I was saying to him during my appointment one day, he's like, you got both ACLs done. You're not going to get rid of your crutches in three weeks. Like everybody else. He's like, it's just not going to happen. He was like, calm down. I'm like, ah, I was mad. So I took a good three weeks during this time off all workouts. I didn't do anything for about three weeks. And then he gave me the go ahead. He said, you can start doing like some upper body stuff at home. So luckily we had some weights at home. So while I was doing my physiotherapy twice a day, every single day, never missed a single physiotherapy exercise session. I would do like some shoulder press. I would do some sit-ups, anything that I could do. I could do chest press lying on the floor just to do something helped keep me sane and made me think about something else other than my knee Uh, knees. And then after about five weeks, after I was able to get rid of of my crutches, that was the, that was the rule. He said, you can go back to the gym 
and like do upper body and core stuff at the gym when you get rid of your crutches. So finally, by about week five, I was able to get rid of my crutches and I was able to go to the gym, um, which was nice. It was nice to just at that point, it was just to get out of the house, man, just to do anything, just to get out of the house. So I went, I was able to go, I had to go with my husband though. And he had to be like my gopher and go fetch me weights because I wasn't supposed to be taking my own weights off the bench and, or off the rack and stuff like that. Cause he's like, if you turn the wrong way while you're holding a dumbbell, you can hurt yourself. So my poor husband had to be my gopher and go fetch weights for me. And by the time it was about seven, six to seven weeks, I was allowed to start doing certain exercises again. Like I was allowed to start doing, um, things like leg press again. I had been doing squats, um, but I was able to do like squats off of a bench. So when I initially started doing squats after surgery, it was off of like a high point. So like, uh, my bed, something higher up versus like a chair. And then I was able to slowly work my way down, but I was able to start adding a little bit of weight. So I think I literally started with like 10 pound kettlebell while I was doing squats. And then I was able to start doing leg press. And I remember the first time I did leg press, it's literally just like one of those ones you sit in the chair and it's like a horizontal leg press. I literally couldn't hard. I couldn't push 10 pounds like 10 pounds added to the, like, I couldn't push 10 pounds on the leg press <laughs> the first time I went. So I was like, okay, this is where I'm starting less than 10 pounds. I literally cannot push 10 pounds right now. And it's amazing when you put in the consistency and the effort, how quickly it came back. I think I remember I was about three weeks later, I was able to do 80 pounds on the leg press, same thing with like the horizontal leg press. I was after three weeks, I was able to do 80 pounds. So it is impressive on how quickly it can come back, but how persistent you have to be with your, uh, dedication to your physio. Really you do. You have to be like on hundred percent all in on your physio to be able to do that. And yeah, I was impressed after about three weeks, I was able to push 80 pounds where so I was like three weeks ago, I couldn't even push 10 pounds. And yeah, I just went to show that my dedication and the work that I was putting in was starting to pay off. So I was able to get back into lifting. Eventually I was able to start doing heavier squats and then, you know, got me back doing barbell squats. When I started with barbell squats, that was actually one of the hardest exercises to get back to because I was so unbalanced with the exercise. So I had to start back with box squats and just the bar, like, uh, you know, like a beginner and work my way off of there. So I had to start, yeah, with box squats. And then eventually I could add a little bit of weight to the box squats. And then I was able to lower the box to a bench. So something a little bit lower. And then eventually I was able to take the bench away and do back squats again. But yeah, barbell back squats was one of the hardest exercises to return to. One of the easiest was deadlifts. Deadlifts was one of the easiest exercises to return to just in that, um, the range of motion on your knee is a lot less than a squat or a lunge. Um, but yeah, so it was also interesting to see over time how different my legs were recovering initially my left leg, because it had better prehabilitation, longer prehabilitation was uh, was going a lot faster. And then my right leg was lagging, but then after a while, because I'm right side dominant, very right side dominant, my right leg got very strong, very quickly. And my left legs you know, did good, but it was always a little bit lagging in consideration, but it was just interesting how one was doing better initially. And then they switched. And my physiotherapist, had kind of warned me about that. He said, you're going to have one leg do better initially, and then they're going to switch. And the other leg, generally your predominant 
uh, your dominant side is going to do better. I found that, I found that really interesting over time. So by April, May, 2017, I was feeling like pretty much back to life. I was lifting. I was doing a little bit of jujitsu again, just really light stuff, but just excited to be able to do stuff again. I had good range of motion. I was back being active. Then I had another knee injury, just a little one. So my husband and I were just, uh, we decided that we were going to go play catch, like literally ball and glove catch one day and like kind of bat a ball around just for fun. We hadn't played baseball in a while and we thought we'd just do it for fun. And we went to go and we're throwing back and forth and I went to go throw the ball and I wasn't really paying attention to, I guess, my form or what I was doing, but I didn't, I think I over rotated on my left leg and I just heard just this little click wasn't even a pop. It was just a click. And I was just like, Oh, ow, something's not right here. So we stopped and we went home and I was kind of like, Oh, boo, what happened? And then over the next day or two, my leg got like sore, like sore and swollen. I was like, Oh my God, what happened? So I called my surgeon in a panic being like, something's wrong with my left leg. I don't know what happened. So she got me in later that week. Um, yeah. So basically it was one of two things. It was either I retore my ACL or I hurt my meniscus. I didn't know which one it was. Now your meniscus in your knee is like a little cushion that sits on the top of your tibia, which is like your shin bone. Um, that's cushions your knee. Essentially it's like the shock absorber of your knee. And so I went to go see my surgeon. She's tested my drawer for my ACL and she's like, no, your ACL is fine. She said, but I do think that maybe you put a slight tear in your meniscus. And she was like, what were you doing? I was like, I was playing catch. I swear to God, I was playing catch. I was not at jujitsu. I wasn't doing anything stupid. I was playing catch. <laughs> you could tell she was like skeptical, but she was like, okay, I believe you. Um, so she explained to me, she's like, no, it's not an ACL tear, but it's likely just a small tear in your meniscus. Now she said, it's, if it's a small tear and it's not causing a bunch of issues, generally we leave those ones alone and they'll heal with time. So I was like, okay. Okay. So I, she said, continue with physio, make sure that you keep lifting weights, keep your legs strong and don't do anything stupid. She didn't say it exactly like that, but I could tell that was the underlying tone of the appointment. So I went about my life. I was still doing physio up until about November, 2017. Then I got cleared from physio and he's like this meniscus problem. It never really was an issue occasionally if I moved my leg the wrong way. And I mean like really occasionally, like maybe once a month, this would happen maybe once every two months, even if I move my leg the wrong way, it would just kind of pop a little bit, but it wasn't really painful. It was kind of more like, I don't know, like when you like crack your knuckles kind of thing, or it's just like, Oh, um, not really any major issues. So I continued on with life and, um, lifting weights, continuing jujitsu was back at jujitsu and kickboxing, all these things, just feeling good, feeling good. And then in January, 2018, I done fucked it up again. <laughs> So by January, 2018, I was feeling like a rock star. I was like hitting new PRs. I was back in jujitsu doing all these things. And then one day at kickboxing class. So the first thing that I did wrong was that day early in the morning, I did leg day that day. And then I did kickboxing class that night. And when I did leg day that day, I went heavy. I hit a couple of new PRs. I hit like a new squat PR and something like that. And earlier that week, I had kind of like tweaked my knee a little bit where it kind of did that pop thing. It was a little bit sore, but nothing major. Um, and it had subsided a couple of days later. So then when I was at 
kickboxing that night, we were warming up and we were running sprints. Now I had started running, I don't know, about six months ago again. And, but I seen, when I say running, I don't really mean running a lot, but just being able to run again. Cause it took me a long time to be able to run again. Um, so we were running sprints, warming up on the mats at kickboxing, just running sprints back and forth. And I felt good. I felt good. I was like, look at me. I'm so fast. Look at how fast I'm running. And I'm running, 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 running. And as I went to go and step, something about the way I stepped was off. I think what happened is when I stepped, my foot on the mat just landed a little bit turned inwards, like my toes were turned inwards. And then when I went to go and push off, I heard and felt pop. And then I was like, huh, that's not right. And then I went to go and take another step and I stepped on my knee and I went, oh my God, that is not right just shooting pain up my knee. Um, and I was just like, what the fuck did I just do again? So I literally looked at my husband and I was like, because we were supposed to do class together that day. I was like, I can't do class. And he's like, what happened? And I was like, my knee. And he went, you're fucking kidding me. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not. Something is wrong. This hurts. And so I, called my surgeon literally the next day because we were supposed to be taking off for a vacation to Mexico. I think like the next week, like literally the next week we were taking off on a vacation to Mexico. And I was like, I hurt my knee a lot. And this one was different. It was different in that it was painful. Now, when I tore my ACL, it hurt initially during the tear real bad. It was uncomfortable when it was swollen, but this was different in that the joint itself was painful. Something wasn't right. So we went, so I went to physio and she said the old adage, it's either that meniscus or sorry, he, my physiotherapist said, it's either the meniscus tear that you've been dealing with, or you retore your ACL. And when he told me that I started to cry. I was just like, I can't, like, I didn't cry in front of him. I waited basically until I got to the parking lot, but I started to bawl because I was like, I can't go through another ACL tear. I just can't. Like in my mind, I was probably being a little bit dramatic, but at the time it was pretty much the end of the fucking world for me if I retore my ACL. And so obviously we weren't going to know anything immediately. Um, so I went to my surgeon and a few months prior to this, I went and saw, got a second opinion from a sports medicine doctor about my little meniscus tear, about the tiny meniscus tear, just to see if he had any recommendations on things that I could do. I was wanting to ask, um, he was a doctor that did uh, stem cell injections and I wanted to, I asked him, you know, I was trying to find out if I was a good candidate for that. So because I went to that appointment at that time, he had told me to Um, that basically he wanted to see my MRI. He wanted me to go for another MRI. So luckily speaking, I had an MRI booked for February, 2018 because of this appointment that I went to. And I, um, basically I was about to cancel that appointment to be totally honest, because my knee had started to do really well. And I was like, I don't really know if I need these stem cell injections. Maybe I don't, maybe it's not that big of a deal. So I was about to cancel that appointment, but then I hurt my knee again. So I was like, well, fuck, it's a good thing I have an MRI book next month. So I went on my trip to Mexico. 
I took a lot of Advil during that trip and drowned my sorrows in tequila, which was fine. And then when I came back, I went for my MRI. Now what was constant, what I found was so different about this injury is that I, my knee was sore all the time and I couldn't lift weights like I could before. Like before when I had torn ACL and my ACL was torn before my surgery, I could still squat. I could still deadlift. I could still lift heavy weights and I didn't have any pain. Whereas with this one, if I tried to lift anything more than 50 pounds, my knee hurt. Like it was sore. It wasn't giving out like it did with my ACL, but it was just constantly sore. And that I was like, Hey, something different happened here because my other injuries, my knee wasn't sore like this. So I got the MRI done, got the MRI results sent to my surgeon. I was, uh, when I was at the hospital, I was like, can you just send these to my doctor, my surgeon, please. And not just the sports medicine doctor, but also like my surgeon. Um, and she called me, um, because she knew that I hurt my knee again. And yeah, no, sure enough, she called me back and she's like, you have a bucket, bucket handle tear in your meniscus. So basically what that means is your meniscus is like a little flat disc shaped thing. So what happens is it tears like a bucket handle and then it flipped in my knee. So it tears, it flips in your knee and it basically jams in your knee. And that's what causes a lot of pain for people is when it tears and then flips. So before when it was just a little small tear on the edge of my meniscus, not that big of a deal, but then when it completely tore and then flipped, that's what caused the pain. And I was on, you know, so she asked me, she's like, what's your pain like? And I'm like, I'm not going to lie, man. It's uncomfortable. Like I'm not, oh my God, agony every single day, but especially working on my feet all day as a vet tech, I was like, my leg is sore by the end of the day. And she said, honestly, generally speaking, bucket handle meniscus tears are more painful and people generally get in for surgery pretty quick because they're uncomfortable. So I got in for surgery, uh, the next month in March, 2018 for my meniscus surgery. Now the meniscus, the meniscus surgery itself in comparison to my ACL surgery, minor detail, like a blip on the radar in comparison. Uh, they had to do what's called a meniscectomy. I said that totally wrong. I'm sorry for medical people who had to hear me say that, uh, basically meaning they just took it out. Uh, sometimes with meniscus, depending on the tear, you can repair it and put it back down and sew it into place. But mine was so far gone and so far removed from the blood vessels that it was useless and they couldn't do anything about it. So they ended up having to take out actually like nearly 70% of my meniscus to this day. I still don't have it. So rehab after that was still doing physio. I did go back to physio for a little bit. Um, again, started off as just like with, um, started off very similarly to my ACL surgery. Main goal was to get extension, get swelling out of my knee, all these things, but it was a lot faster. Like everything was much faster. I didn't lose nearly the amount of muscle tone or anything like that because it was such a minor surgery in comparison to my ACL surgery. Um, Yeah. So in comparison to my ACL surgery, definitely a lot easier recovery, a lot faster recovery. I was probably back at life, uh, within a couple of months. So, which was a good thing. And since then, knock on wood, I have been pretty good. My knees have been good. Um, yeah, that meniscus having to be taken out, 
Uh, yeah, it sucks because I am now also I, more than ever, more than I was before, I am more prone now to having arthritis in my knees. Um, there's not a lot that I can do about it. The main things that my surgeon had told me was yes, especially with having that big of a chunk of your meniscus removed, you are going to be more prone to having, um, arthritis and arthritis issues and stuff. When you get older, she said, you're most likely going to have to have a knee replacement at some point in your life, probably later in your life. But she said, the best thing that I can do, and this was just her general advice. And I'm sure it's advice that she gives to all her patients. She said, the best thing that you can do is keep moving, stay active, lift weights. And she said, lift heavy weights so that you can keep your muscle tone and also keep your joints healthy and your bone density healthy. And she said, stay at a healthy weight. She said, the more heavy you are, the harder it's going to be. So stay at a healthy weight, which I found out during my pregnancy was actually quite real, especially towards the end, the more weight that I gained, it became hard on my knees. And I found that kind of interesting. I mean, the weight in pregnancy gets on very quickly in comparison to somebody who gains, you know, 45 pounds just over time gaining 45 pounds over pregnancy is definitely a much different story, but it was interesting to me how much pressure and how hard it was on my knees towards the end of my pregnancy because of that extra weight pushing down on my joints and not having a meniscus in that joint. But since, yeah, since 2018 though, my knees, um, have been pretty good. I was, I mean, prior to COVID-19, I was able to start training jujitsu again, quite seriously and kickboxing and stuff and feeling pretty confident in my knees. I did end up getting like one of those big fiberglass braces that I wore for the better part of a year for jujitsu and things like that. I wore it during my exam for my second degree black belt test. Um, except for, I can't grapple with it because it's this big, hard plastic brace, but for kickboxing and stuff and hiking and things, I wore that for the better part of a year and a half. And yeah, I mean, I haven't been training jujitsu like I used to just because of COVID and our move and stuff like that, but I'm hoping to get back to it again, as long as my knees continue to hold up. But that's my story. Um, I guess the takeaways for this story is just that, you know, despite everything, I continued to push on for my workouts. I used my workouts as a bit of therapy, as a way to get out aggression. I made sure that I used them so I could stay healthy and just continue doing something other than just me physiotherapy. Um, I guess persistence would be the other thing is just persisting through the hard shit. You know, it was hard. It was the hardest thing I think I ever had to do was going through that ordeal that two and a half year ordeal with my knees and stuff and, uh, damn near three year ordeal with my knees and physiotherapy and stuff like that. It was really hard, but I pursued through because I knew that number one, I needed to do it. I mean, you know, giving up wasn't really an option. And also that if I did it, I would eventually be able to continue to do the things I want to do. I would be able to reach my fitness goals and things like that. If I just pushed through other takeaway, I guess would be is to get help. Like I had this amazing physiotherapist who helped me out so much throughout this entire process. I really can't thank him enough for everything that he did for me and, um, just the help and the advice that he gave and stuff like that. So I didn't have to walk that journey alone. And then, uh, following what they, what that person tells you to do, that person who's helping you to a fucking T like what he told me to do worked. And I mean, my surgeon as well. I mean, I, as you, I didn't take all of her advice, like when she told me to quit jujitsu, but I appreciated everything that she did for me. Um, yeah. So anyways, 
that's my story. I hope that you liked it. Um, if you found, I guess, any of it helpful or anything like that, definitely feel free to shoot me a message. Or, you know, if you had a similar story, I'd love to hear about it. I love talking knee injuries. So if you have a knee injury story, you can definitely feel free to message me on Instagram. Yes, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you, everybody who's taken the time to listen to the podcast. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it on social media with your friends and family. If you share it on social media, feel free to tag me in it as well. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far, I would love and appreciate a five-star review. They really help to increase visibility for the uh, podcast. If you have some kind words that you'd love to leave on the review as well, you can definitely leave a written review. It would be amazing and mean the world to me. Otherwise, if you haven't yet, please feel free to follow me on social media. I will post my Instagram handle in the show notes and pretty much you can find all of my other social media through my Instagram. If you have questions about my coaching programs or training programs, definitely feel free to contact me through my website, uh, www.fitlikeagirl.ca. And otherwise, that is pretty much it. I hope that you have a great rest of your day and take care, fam.